Today's episode features two very special guests, Dr. Jacqueline Baer and Joseph Toes, who both have been instructors for SIGHT. Tune into this very informative episode as Dr. Jackie sheds light on the ins and outs of opening her own private practice with Joseph right by her side. In this episode, Joseph talks about coming out of retirement and the importance of remote counseling. Both Joseph and Dr. Jackie talk about the differences between being a social worker and a licensed mental health counselor. We also talk about career opportunities for site students and grads as well. I want to start off by you guys, of course, introducing yourselves, maybe your current position, and just talking about your experience in the program as an instructor. Okay, I guess I'll begin. Um, I'm um, Dr. Jacqueline Baer, and I am the owner of a private practice um, named Jacqueline Baer Mental Health Counseling Services. And I've had the pleasure of working with Sight and Alfred for quite a few years. As a matter of fact, I started many, many years ago working with uh, Joe, and um, and then I've stayed on with Sight for, for quite a few years. And I am uh, Joe Tolls. I am currently working with uh, Jackie Bear uh, Mental Health Services as a remote counselor um, and worked many years with Alfred University and their students who were preparing for licensure in mental health counseling. How is it like working during this pandemic and during the era of COVID? I'll go first. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. Um, and I would say that, and always in person, always in person, and had since really retired from doing this um, and was just going to take a, a backseat and do other things that, I, that I'm interested in. And then when COVID uh, rose its ugly head, there was a much greater need for people to um, get counseling services. It also increased the accessibility um, for people to uh, get counseling services. So I came out of retirement mainly because there was a great need uh, for the service and a great need for me to provide something positive in the world while we were going through all of this turmoil. turmoil. Um, I have not seen a dip in that need for services and I think it's really just opened the doors for many more people to um, get access to mental health services in the privacy of their own home um, at their own times and not have to necessarily get dressed and drive somewhere. Um, I think for a lot, a great number of people, it works well. Um, there are some you know, certain individuals that I think they still need to be face-to-face. And so that, that's my experience, that there is a great need, that I'm glad to be able to fill it in some way, shape, or form. Um, but it's also meeting a need for me to be helpful. Absolutely. And for me, um, going online and becoming a remote counselor was just absolutely a seamless transition. A lot of my training came through online. And um, when site Alfred needed to modify their program to address the needs of their students to still have the program available during COVID. They did that with, with um, a great ease, great ease. They were able to um, turn the curriculum into an online program to address the emergency situation. And as an instructor, it was, um, it was great. 
to still be able to teach and to still have that connection with the students, even if it was online. JBCS is the shortened version of the name of my company. And so <laughs> if you hear us talking about JBCS, that's what it is. Um, JBS, JBCS is remote now as well. So um, Joe is remote. I am remote. We're just beginning to bring in some face-to-face -face cl clients right now, but the goal is to be remote for uh, the majority of us for as long as possible. It is just, as Joe mentioned, um, it addresses so many needs. It allows people to fit counseling into their schedule when uh, it would be a burden or taxing um, in another way. We can really accommodate a lot more people and it becomes a lot more affordable for a great number of people uh, by doing it remote. So I love it. Yeah, I would also say that it's probably more convenient for the counselor to have that ability to provide those services. Uh, but I, 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 I do want to say that uh, remote counseling has to be a fit. So there are some people, as, as Jackie talked about, um, we're, we're, we're beginning to see some face-to-face -face clients. It's really because the venue of of remote is really not to the to the best of the best of, for them. You know, they need to be in a space with somebody face to face, because you get so so much more from seeing a person in body language and not just a floating head. I know that we are starting to see clients uh, in person. Let everybody know where. And also, I want to know when did you start JBCS and what was the inspiration behind it as well? Well, we do have our, our office in uh, Bohemia, which is out on Long Island. Um, and any information um, that you need to know is on JackieBear.com. We have our website that features all of our different um, clinicians and, and even the interns that are just beginning to come out. I, I need to update. Things are changing all the time. And so uh, we need to get new people in there all the time. JBCS is growing. And as Joe alluded to, the need is there. It was there before COVID. Now COVID came through and the need is intensified. And so that's not going anywhere soon. So um, we are bringing in um, some select people who need face-to-face -face that are going to be out, be able to meet us in our office. And then the rest, of course, will be telehealth. So um, JBCS has been around um, for a couple of years now, and it's just continues to grow. And I think that is because um, myself and Joe and my other uh, clinician, we are all very inspired by meeting the need that is out there right now. So to do that, one of the inspirations behind JBCS is to make counseling accessible to as many people as possible. If you're interested in counseling, we try to make that work. And so, um, you know, what it used to, it, it began with me um, only taking self-pay. And of course that limited very, only a certain select people could afford the high fee. And then um, when the need was really, it really became so apparent how not everybody was um, able to pay. It was important to me and to the company to make it accessible. So we brought in on insurance companies and we started um, doing things with a sliding scale and we're reaching out to other organizations to make ourselves available because that's really a um, what's, the most important message for JBCS that if you are looking for counseling, we'll try to make it happen for you. 
What a beautiful message. And, and are you hiring any site students and what kind of positions are you guys hiring? Interns and stuff like that? Absolutely. And that's why we haven't updated our website yet. We're just bringing on an intern right now from site. And I'm in the talks of uh, working with another one as well. And um, so they were both going to be interns, but I look at it as an investment in the future, because when somebody works with, comes on board and works with us as an intern, we're hoping that they stay on for postgraduate hours. And then once they finish their postgraduate hours, we'd love to have them to stay with us even as fully licensed clinicians. And one more question for saying to JVCS, where would you like to see it in 10 years? Ah. Uh, I, I think that it would be a dream if we just continue to grow and address the needs that are out there. For example, I feel that we are gonna, um, we will likely be bringing on more clinicians. We will likely bringing on more interns because the need is there. Uh, you know, uh, um, we have gotten a wonderful reputation, I would say, that people call us and say, wow, you're the only ones that returned my call in three weeks. We've been looking, we can't get anybody to call us back. You have really responded. And that makes me feel great. And that's a goal of mine to have that fast turnaround and to be able to connect with people. And of course you need staff to do that, right? And so site is a phenomenal place to look for really wonderful qualified people who've been through a rigorous program and are ready to go once they, um, once they graduate or once they get into the position of doing an internship. Absolutely. And as instructors, this question is for you too, Joseph. What is something that you would say to somebody that's entertaining the idea of going into counseling, but is a little bit apprehensive? First and foremost, they need to follow their bliss, right? If it's a calling and a, a, a desire to be helpful to sort of the community of people that are looking for mental health services, then I think that you, you need to be comfortable with that. Um, I think you also need to be patient um, in that you're, it's sort of a, a transition period between what you do and how you get up and ready to become a mental health counselor, a licensed mental health counselor. And, uh, you know, and, it, and it's, you just need to be patient um, because there are, you know, a certain number of hours that they need to accrue in, in their, their graduate work and there's a certain number of hours that they need to accrue um, in their postgraduate um, trek towards being licensed. Um, but it is always worth it because it's one of those careers where you can do that full-time if you want to, or you, like I did, you could continue to do what you do full-time and then um, have a private practice. So there's a lot of opportunities to sort of build and uh, personal growth and need a need that's definitely out there. And I would add, I would add to that and say that for me, um, to tell people that are considering being counselors, sometimes they know it. Sometimes they know. They say to themselves, I've always known that this is what I wanted to do. I'm always that person that people like to come and talk to. I always, you know, I'm the one. I'm the one that people can really confide in. And I love that as a beginning, 
that's a really wonderful place to start. And then what I would say is trust the process of learning the skills and the training to be able to do it appropriately because we don't fix people. We don't get out there and change anything according to a prescription that we would want. We offer that safe space for people to find their own problem, to find their own solutions to their problems, to uh, find their own obstacles and help them remove them. We're facilitators toward wellness. And we also concentrate a whole lot on prevention. We prevent, we, we look at those approaches that is quite different than maybe let's say potentially a social worker who works on more tasks and um, makes referrals and, and allows people to be connected to incredibly valuable resources, but we do the counseling. We allow that safe space for others. And um, when that bug bites you, it's really hard not to follow your dream and follow the, that your heart in that. I love that you did speak a little bit about social work and the difference between you know social work and being a licensed mental health counselor. Let's get a little bit more into that. A lot of people get the two confused and think that the work is very similar. What are the diff some differences between licensed mental health counselors and social workers? I think, uh licensed mental health counselors uh, or the, the, the curriculum that leads to a license in mental health counseling um, is more clinical in nature. Um, and so we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trained more as therapists as opposed to, um, and, and not to diminish the, the importance of making that information and in referral system um, knowing systems and connecting people to appropriate systems that will help them. Um, although we can do that if we, if we are uh, comfortable in that area, our real main focus is sort of the clinical journey, um, the personal clinical journey for um, people from getting from point A to point B. Absolutely. And I would agree with that 100%. So with the focus that we have is on guiding. We guide people through a emotional and psychological journey, as Joe said. We also provide um, emotional and psychological assistance to help them overcome any other, uh, any mental illness, uh, turmoil, challenges, whatever the word might be, to help them overcome, to help them better understand themselves. And that takes rapport and relationship. And so I think that counselors really shine when they focus in on that relationship that they build between the clinician and the client and give that safe space to others. And when you are um, tasked with other responsibilities, let's say in school counseling, you might be tasked with um, scheduling and you may be tasked with um, other responsibilities, you may not have that, the luxury that we have as counselors that we just counsel. We just speak to people and we just have that opportunity to build those relationships with people that make a tremendous impact on their lives. Absolutely. And this is another question for the both of you. I know there's a lot of people out there that would want to, you know, go into their own private practice. What is one thing that you ran into or one challenging thing that you ran into that you would want to let somebody know about? starting their own private practice, what's something that you would want them to remember? <laughs> you, or, or like a heads up? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that um, Jackie alluded to um, 
how she started is, which is, I, I only had a self-pay uh, practice when I had a private practice. I did have a full-time job and then I came home and I did that. Um, and, you know, I've sort of been with Jackie on her entire journey here. And what she has done is uh, she has transitioned very, very quickly from um, sort of the self-pay uh, clientele to be able to put the pieces in place to get the insurance and uh, the insurance companies on board, the, the nuts and bolts of putting a, a, um, a, uh, a private practice together, the scheduling pieces, all of the technical pieces that um, become more important as you, as you get bigger. Um, she's been able to do that in like a blink of an eye. Um, but, but that's by connecting to other people that know how to do that. And, um, I didn't have that interest in, in, in sort of circling the wagons. And I, so I did it, I did it very simply. So I think that you can do it very simply and, um, but to grow and to sort of meet the mission of, uh, Jackie's mission of, of helping as many people that need the service. Um, you know, she's done a fantastic job at putting all those pieces in place and those pieces continually move. So um, it's, you have a choice of sort of the intensity of, of doing a private practice and how you want it to be. Is it more relaxed? It would just self-pay. I see, uh, you know, 10 clients or, um, or the hundred or so that we see at uh, JBCS. So, yeah. And you know what, I, as you're talking, Joe, it reminds me of um, use your resources. You know, that is um, something I would often tell a client, take a look around, you know, you're not in this alone. Um, we can use our networks and use our resources. And that is certainly what's been super helpful for JBCS, right? To have people who know how to do it, have come before us, who mentor us, who help us. Um, and we're able then to pick up where, where they've led us and then take it in our own directions. And it's been super, super helpful. Um, <clears throat> we've got people that are interested potentially on coming on board and as with Joe, he's retired now, but want to work a full-time job and then do the uh, counseling in the evenings, counseling on the weekends. That is a phenomenal opportunity that you get to do with as an LMHC. Um, there are so many opportunities with LMHCs. It's unbelievable. I often tell people, because sometimes when I teach at site, there is an overlap between school counselors and LMHCs and some of the courses. And school counseling is a, is a wonderful profession. You have a building, you have a pension, you have a very set schedule, set plan, set journey. When you're an LMHC, you can touch on anything. You can work in hospitals, you can work in agencies. You can work in your own private practice and someone else's private practice. You can be available in, in the evenings, on weekends, whatever fits your schedule. It is such a, um, you can tailor it to what you want and your needs. And as Joe said, you can have a small private practice. You can, you know, have your own and, and, it's, and it's quite large. At, at JBCS, the other thing that we really enjoy doing is reaching out to underserved populations. So for example, we are now working with, uh, really intensely working with the foster care and adoption population. This is something wonderful for us, but again, it's evenings, it's weekends because you have to work around the schools. We don't look at that as a negative, we're looking at that as an opportunity. 
and, it, and it's also born out of um, an awareness of underserved populations. So um, we get to, in, in the private practice, um, sort of lead the, the way we follow our hearts, right? So I am a big advocate of foster care and adoption. And so um, to be part of an agency that is going to meet the needs of those, that population is absolutely wonderful. You may not get that opportunity to do that if you were working for a larger agency with a singular focus. Um, in addition to that, I mean, we, we mentioned, you, know, you, you asked about the, um, the private practice. I know that part of Jackie's vision is to provide other things like groups and even including, um, you know, maybe workshops on how to set up your private practice because she's done it and she can go through A to Z and, and, and teach people how to do that. Um, so, you know, it's, we, get to, we get to do what we like to do and love to do um, with fewer restrictions. Absolutely. That's amazing. And that workshop would definitely be attend well attended and a great, great idea as well. And I wanted to just ask, I love that you went into a little bit about how people with LMHC can do different things and not just be a counselor. They can work in schools and hospitals and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know that. You don't have to just, you know, stick to one thing and you can tailor your schedule, you know, to different things. But let's speak a little bit about what are things that, what are some jobs that people with LMHCs might not know that? Are afforded to them. Before we get into that, I just want to say I am a retired school counselor. So I did that uh, up, up into retirement while I had a private practice. And so although the goals, I mean, I know very well that the difference between the two, the two jobs um, and was able to sort of, you know, continue to do what I wanted to do. So the private practice sort of fulfilled um, the, 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 the greater need for me to be able to be a real clinician, which I didn't have that opportunity in my in my job, um, and LMHCs now are um, almost in every industry you can find LMHCs. But that's it. That's exactly what a lot of site students are looking for once they get into the program. They say, what can I do with this? You can do whatever it is you're doing. And then they're looking for career changes. But when they become LMHCs, there's just such a, an open, um, there's just so many openings available. If you wanted to go work at an agency, you can. If you wanna work at substance abuse and, um, and, and substance counseling, you can do that. If you want to work in a hospital, those positions are available. Um, federal jobs, Joe, you know, we were speaking about it before the podcast. We were thinking about different things to do. There are federal jobs available. There is just so many HR, different things that we have employee, um, employee assistance programs that are available. There's so much that once you get into, once you're interested in being an LMHC and you start looking through those um, opportunities, there, there's many, there's many, and they're tailored around what you want to do, not necessarily um, you fitting into somebody else's mold. And in addition, I just have to highlight, you can create your own um, your own mission and vision. You don't, you don't necessarily, the, the ability to be able to start a private practice and focus in on what you like to do um, can't be understated nope. at all. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And this is my last question for the both of you. I want to know each of you to give me two tips for somebody that might want to go on the same journey as you have. What's something that you would want them to really keep in their mind? You can do it. <laughs> I'm serious. I, 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 That's something that I would want everybody to know that if that is something that they're interested in, do not let the obstacles of life get you down. Um, I changed into this career later in life and it was um, something that I knew it was important for me to do. I felt it in my spirit. I wanted to do it. And I just didn't let anything stop me. And when I have met so many of the site students over the years, that is something that's incredibly special about this group of people. They are resilient. They are changing careers. They are looking to improve themselves uh, with a, an academic degree. And it is, um, it's challenging and it's difficult, but that ability to hang in there and to see, keep your eye on the goal and to recognize that it's going to happen over time, embrace who they are and look forward to what they can be. That's what I would say is the most important, the, the important message I would like to send to students. And I'd like to add that um, I'm not always comfortable taking credit, but I'm going to take some credit um, because I was the cheerleader for Jackie throughout her, her, her journey and that it would be my advice. Um, find somebody that's doing it or has done it and connect with them and make sure that you have them for support and guidance. And I mean, I think, especially for clinician, clinical jobs, you have to have that um, sort of that extra ear to listen and comfort and direct. So uh, in addition to that, if you could and are willing, and I think you should uh, participate in counseling yourself um, because it'll give you a whole new, a uh, bunch of insight into the world that you're you're trying to sort of get into. Hundred percent. I could not. I I could not endorse that message more. Even in so much as when I am working with some students who have never gone to therapy, I connect them with people in my practice so they can have that opportunity to see what it is to be a clinic, to be in therapy from both sides. They're gonna learn what it is gonna to be to be a clinician, but you need to understand, you have to have empathy for what it feels like to be the client. And so we do, we have a special program where we offer um, for counselors and training to support each other. We have, we're, we're looking to put groups together for counselors and training. We're also looking to just offer that service specifically to counselors and training so that they can have that piece of the, of the education and that awareness before they get into the seat. That is so important because, you know, there are some students that don't necessarily network while they are in their class. So getting into something like that is definitely something that students do need to know about and would definitely benefit them as well. And so if there are any other last words, I want to thank you both for joining me today on this podcast and all of the insight that you shared with us. And just want to thank you once more again. And to keep up to date on everything site, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Site Online. That's C-I-T-E-O-N-L-I-N-E. -E. And you can follow us on LinkedIn as well. Till next time.